Welcome to Wood Talk Online Radio. For woodworkers, by woodworkers. Now, here are three guys who are actually under the illusion that woodworking is cool. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. Boom shakalaka. It's episode 102 for August 9th. 2012. On today's show, we're going to share some great links from around the web, and we'll even answer a lot of your emails. Uh, just actually, it is a, quite a few emails, but from the same two people, which we just discovered. So, uh, yeah, it's all about the email today, baby. So, before we get into the good stuff, Matt, if you could let them know how they can get in touch with us. All right. Well, folks, by now you should know all of these things, but you're probably just like me and you can't remember it. It's something to do with a 40-year-old brain. I, I don't know what's going on with that. <laughs> I lost my wallet again today. But anyway, so if you uh, want to get a hold of us, you can contact us via Skype, which is Wood Talk Online. That's, look for that, and that's how you get a hold of us. You can call us on our voicemail at 623-242-5180. Don't forget, you can do it the old-fashioned way, which is email, which you can email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Don't forget to vi- visit our individual sites at thewoodwhisperer.com, renaissancewoodworker.com, matsbasementworkshop.com, and of course, head on over to the forums because we put them there for you, so you better start using them because we're getting tired of always having it empty and then having to turn out the lights because nobody ever takes care of it, <laughs> and that's over at woodtalkonline.com. So uh, I say with all that information out of the way, let's move right on to what's on the bench. Yeah. And uh, Shannon, what do you got going on over there? Huh? What? Huh? Oh. Wake up, Shannon. <laughs> Time to do the show. Quit Sorry. sleeping on the bench and start telling <laughs> us what you're doing on it. I'm actually recording this in my wood shop right now. Normally I do this in the study, but we are bird sitting for my in-laws and there is a love bird up there that won't shut up. It's just <laughs> chirp, chirp, squeak. And it's like, I want to kill it. That sounds really, really annoying. Oh my God, you have no idea. That's how people <laughs> often refer to me on the show. So, <laughs> Well, every episode that we do, we consider a bird sitting with Matt. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> See, the point the being, I was in the shop the and I just realized that there's a spot of rust on my carcassaw, so I was a little distracted. Carcassaw. Carcassaw. Oh, uh, what's on my bench? Well, right now, there's a laptop on my bench, and the, um, the whatchamacallit, the Roy Underhill tool tote that I talked about a couple episodes ago, it is done and filled with chair-making tools and ready to be packed into the car and headed to Pittsburgh, North Carolina on Saturday Woo-hoo. to the... Woodwright School. Nice. So, but I, I got to tell you, I had a, um, you know, we've talked about this. I think it was the last episode. We talked about kind of pushing yourself and kind of getting outside your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. This little tool tote, toolbox, whatever you want to call it, I think it's called the tote because it's open on the top and it's a compound angled, um, kind of like a, a hopper or a green hopper type thing. Sure. Um, or an inverted frustrum of pyramid, as what Roy Underhill calls it. <laughs> it was like surprisingly difficult, like very deceiving. The the compound butt joints that go into it, I, I don't know. I think I'm geometrically challenged. I just could not wrap my head around how to do this. <laughs> and what's so funny is when you go out looking for information on this, as a hand tool guy, as a guy who doesn't have a compound miter saw or a table saw right now, all the information out there is set the you know the tilt the bevel angle of your blade to and the miter gauge to. There is not a single bit of information on how to actually lay out a compound butt joint or a compound miter joint without involving tilt angles on a saw and some sort of fence slash miter gauge angle. Nice. It was really interesting. No matter how much I dug, and you know, I'd, I'd like to think I've got some pretty good research skills that were taught to me in college. Since you know, remember when there was no internet? And, <laughs> Going and, to the library, 
you know, and, and even using the internet, using some of those kind of research skills and digging around, I was back on like page 20 of Google and using like advanced Boolean string searches to try to find something, never found anything, wow. nothing. Wow. Um, even looking at like 1950s popular mechanics, um, Charles Hayward's woodworking joints, he's got a, 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 a description on how to lay this out, but it involves like drawing two separate drawings and like connecting the dots and things like that. And I'm sitting here thinking there were guys in the, you know, 1800s, hell, 1500s, 1200s building homes with like a steeple. You know, a steeple is basically the reverse of this. It kind of tapers up like that. Someone knew how to do this. And I can't imagine there's some workman (laughs) out on a job site drawing two separate drawings and connecting with a straight edge. Somebody just had like a carpenter square and a saw and they did this. So I was getting really frustrated. So I actually found an old timber framers manual at at my office. Um, And sure enough, like, again, couldn't find anything in the index. People used to call this a hot... Oops. Sorry. Hello. Knocked over a street. Don't edge. get so heated about it, Shannon. <laughs> Take a so moment. He's so angry. He's like, where? <laughs> it, it was, it's called a hopper joint. And I found it in this timber frame book was the latest reprint was 1920. It was originally copyrighted in like 1850 or something like that. Hmm. And sure enough, there was a drawing of this, this tool tote looking thing. And this like crazy ass explanation of how to lay it out. It's like if you've ever read um, – well, like reading Moxon, like in the original language, you have to read it six or seven times to kind of figure out what he's saying because it's like it, – it's worse than stereo instructions. Right. And sure enough, you know, draw this line here, draw another line here, connect the dots and bam, you've got a compound miter or compound butt joint that you saw. out. And it was, it, it was one of those kind of cool moments when you learn from the past. We make it so flipping difficult to cut compound joints today. You've got all these settings and charts with, you know, hundredths of a degree to set it to. And it was like draw four lines on a board and saw to that line and you were done. So it was like, it was really hard. It took a lot of kind of figuring to make it work. But once I actually figured out how to do it, I had compound butt joints. I had the rabbits done and the the cut nails in place in less than 15 minutes. It was so cool. So anyway, that was my little, I don't know, challenge yourself, try a new technique. And it was, it was cool. You know, that, that makes me think recently I, I'm notorious for when like when a magazine comes out, I have this thing about where I have to set it aside and there's almost like a six month gap between I before I can actually read it. I don't know why that is. <laughs> I do that because, too. So Yeah. I don't know, you know why. I, I, I'm like Really, when it comes down to it, I'm in uh, the whole volume that came out in 2009. That's all new to me right now. So don't <laughs> ruin anything for me in case there's some great articles coming up. Spoiler. But where it's going with this is I just started reading Chris Schwartz's uh, The Anarchist Tool or Work uh, Thingy. Anarchist <laughs> WordPress? <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, that's how far behind I haven't even finished reading the title of it yet. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, the section I just got to was, was there's, a, there's a part in there where he's basically talking to like uh, machinists and stuff and saying, you know, put away all your things that are going to take you to like one sixty fourth of an inch or one tenth of this or that. And it's funny because as you're saying that, Shannon, that it made me think about that whole entire thing that he did where he was talking about, you know, just a reliance to some degrees, how I, I what I read from it on on these you know really obscure tools that we don't need for woodworking, but yet we're so just you know we're convinced that because it's modern technology and stuff, we absolutely have to have it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's it's 
granted, I'm a bit of a nutcase when it comes to my love of saws, but this, and, and I'm certainly going to write about it. In fact, I'm going to have to do a video about it because it's too hard to explain how to do the layout. You know, connect A to B and then B to C. It, it's, it's terrible. So eventually I'll, I'll do something on this, but it's so flippin' simple that once the, 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 the joint is kind of roughed out, you can then get a feel for the shape of it, the bevel and everything, that you could kind of prop it up on a shooting board and refine it right to the line really easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, hell, even if you cut it once and then take it over to your bandsaw and tilt everything so that it matches so you're not having to, like, dial in that, you know, 12.63-degree tilt angle in your blades. <laughs> and then, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, but I never had an incrementer gauge, and that's the only one I know of you could actually set to point whatever <laughs> of any, degree. Yeah, so reliably. You know, and it just it, – it infuriates me because it's like who – who is that accurate? <laughs> who who has that kind of patience? And the more I think about, you know, no one ever did it this way, and yet they built, you know, all these buildings all across America used to using a saw and a chisel. So it was kind of neat to uncover that. Sounds good. I, I can't wait to see the video that you make on it. It sounds pretty cool. Yeah, me too. Matt, yeah. what's going on in your shop, dude? Well, right now I'm choking on some sawdust because it just got me so worked up about all those angles and stuff. <laughs> He's so excited. Um, he can't wait to try well, it. Yeah. Well, the one thing I have going on is, of course, last week I had mentioned that somebody came onto my porch into my personal property and oh, stole my saws yes. that were being delivered to me. Right. And I was so devastated right. by Bastard. it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly what I yelled into the – when I stood on the front yard in my bathrobe and then the neighbors started throwing stuff at me and saying something about it. I was a rat. Um, <laughs> But anyway, so what I did was I was this motivated me so much because the only saw I have left now, the only hand saw I have, is my crappy craftsman one with the plastic handle. And I said, you know what? I I, 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 I kind of took your advice, Shannon, which was, you know, the, oh, you were talking oh. a little bit about. I know it's scary. Uh, kind of maybe resharpening where using what is the existing angles and stuff like that and just getting a feel for it. Sure. And so I went downstairs into the shop and I clamped up my saw and I did just that. I took my, I took a, a file, a triangular file I had sitting around and I tried it with this saw and lo and behold, I don't think it's anywhere near as sharp as the saws that were taken from me will ever be. But this <laughs> thing, I grabbed a piece of uh, maple. It was about six, seven inches wide, uh, four quarter completely rough sawn and for once i actually made a cross cut with it stayed right in line with the little the mark i had made and on top of it it took me about i won't say half the time but pretty five eighths of the time that it normally would take me to get through something that that wide and that thick and i was just i was blown away i'm like oh my god i can almost sharpen this thing so (laughs) to some degree Thank you to the person who stole my saws because now I feel like I have a little bit more confidence to maybe try to get this one at least in a better working condition. Um, but that's the only thank you I'm going to give that person. Other than that, I'm still <laughs> looking for whoever has it. I, I'm just going to wait for some kid to go down the street carrying that saw and then I'm jumping them. So. <laughs> that's a good idea. How, how long did it take you to, to do the sharpening? Not really that long at all. I'm going to say maybe – 20 minutes at the most and that was with a couple of like extreme like goof ups where 
oh, I should probably push the file versus pull the file. And, you know, just trying to get a kind of once you get the rhythm going, to me, the hardest part was actually unclamping and then moving the saw plate over so that it would stay rigid within the the saw clamp itself. And then once again, kind of get that feeling going. I even went so far as to mark the tooth that I left off on so that I didn't suddenly go, oh, wait, should I start over there? Should I start there? (laughs) And, you know, so it was was really nice. It, It definitely... I don't have to worry about cutting myself on these teeth. It's definitely not that sharp, but it did make a difference when I made that initial cut. The one thing I do have to, I, I'm kind of curious about is if I wanted to change the the rake and stuff like that. I think that's definitely way over my head at this point, and I probably should just stick to working with the way it's set up now. But there's that part of me that's like, oh, I wonder how many other saws I can I can do this with <laughs> mangle. Yeah, I think once you have once you have another saw, you can fall back on. You don't mind sacrificing the craftsman to the uh, sawtooth geometry gods. Then go for it. You know, because oh, yeah, I think that's, I think that's when it gets really fun. You know, when I, I talk about a saw nerd, God, listen to myself. That's when it gets really fun when you can alter the rake and the flame angles. Oh my God! <laughs> this, this is the part so, where I get real. Quiet. Sometimes, sometimes I just have out of body experiences and go, "Dude, I would kick your ass right now." <laughs> <laughs> well, normally anything to do with sharpening stuff, and I think Mark, you and I are probably the same. Uh, I take it to the saw sharpener and go, "Here, I want this. Can you have it done by Tuesday?" Yeah, it depends <laughs> on what it is. I mean, some things. I, I do enjoy that that sharpening process, but I, I don't get too excited about the, the maintenance stuff. I get excited yeah. about the stuff that I do after the maintenance. If it's a maintenance challenge, you know, and something like sharpening, um, I don't know, maybe sharpening a good camber on, on a plain iron or or like you're talking about, Matt, if, if that's something you use a lot, you use hand saws, that can be invigorating to be able to say, you know what, I don't need to send this out for sharpening anymore. I can do this myself. So I can totally see why why it would yeah. be exciting. But then eventually I get bored with it and go, well, you know what, the real excitement for me is when I take that thing to the wood and make something awesome. So it's just, you know, it's maintenance. It's it's cleaning up. It's this the stuff we do to keep our shops going. So Yeah. Well, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. I think, Mark, you were even talking about like with router bits just kind of like putting a, a fine touch up on it. maybe yeah. it's i think we, a, we may have talked about it at some point but yeah just getting a little diamond plate or something like that just to do a little touch up even if it just extends the time between a professional sharpening or something it's uh you know still a not not a bad thing to know how to do this stuff it saves you save you money saves you time you're not without your tools for a period yep. of time you don't risk having someone steal it off your porch Exactly. Well, and and yeah. then that that realization that wow, that actually had gotten dull. You know, it didn't mm-hmm. feel like it was dull, and now that it's sharp, you're like, ooh. Well, you know, <laughs> no. and it's like it, it's like that whole the thing where we wear so many different hats. It's just another hat, you know, to be able to say that I can I can run my shop from top to bottom and be completely self sufficient. That's that's a nice thing to be able to say. So there's definitely yep. merit to it. Yeah, even ooh. even if it's so much as just putting like just a little bit of a cleaning it up just enough so that you can finish up what you're working on before you have to take it in and have the major you know uh, sharpening done on it because I mean router bits still intimidate the living daylights out of me I I just know that I'm going to completely screw it up even if I stay on the flat <laughs> right but if I notice in the middle of an operation I still maybe still have you know another ten linear feet of something that I need to have made and I need this bit it's nice to know that I can at least maybe touch it up enough so that I can get through this before I take it to somebody to really put a nice you know honing on it or yeah, something sure I thought router bits were were disposable you just <laughs> Chuck them out when you're done. Depends on where you get them. Depends on what color. Depends on what color they are. That fifty pack on eBay, like I did, they are disposable. Right. Exactly. <laughs> One use only. <laughs> nice. 
All know, right. So that's so. it in mind. Mark, what's going on with you? Now, you still have like uh, the whole shop thingy, but you've been kind of staying busy with some other stuff going on. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things I thought not having a shop would, or at least having this little interim shop, like I'd be, I'd just have all this time to do all kinds of things and catch up on stuff I haven't done in a while. And that's just, uh, well, that's not the case. Um, I just can't, I can't seem to find enough time in the day to get everything done. Um, <laughs> we, uh, just had a very awesome interview with, uh, Paul search last night, who is a, uh, he just does amazing, amazing marketry. And, uh, I spent a lot of time in his, uh, website, which is, I think paulsearchwoodwork.com. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes for it. Um, go through this guy's portfolio. And if you want to see what you can do with marketry, it's mind boggling. Um, and what I think attracts me the most to it is not just the, the complexity of the pieces that he does in terms of the marketry itself, but how the marketry is incorporated into a particular project to tell the story. So it's not just the marketry, it's the furniture that he builds as the canvas for the marketry where he tells this, this story that he's trying to tell. Um, really amazing stuff. Very interesting guy and, and was just a really, really fun interview that we had last night. So if you're a, a guild member, oh, wow. or, uh, even a past, <clears throat> excuse me, a past <laughs> guild member. Matt just found the site. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, hey, how did he get that picture of me having my manicure done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so really good stuff. You you will spend a lot of time there being inspired. And if you don't want to try marketry after looking at that website, you're nuts. Um, really, really great stuff. Um, you and know, if I may, the, the interview was awesome. I, oh, I listened cool. to it today. Um, well, while I was supposed to be working, well, I was, I was listening to working. it today, and it was it was really cool. <laughs> yeah, he was a lot. great a great person to to just chat. I mean, sometimes interviews are a little tricky to to dig the information out of somebody, and sometimes they just go really really smooth. And that, that was one of our smoother interviews. Um, yeah, so good stuff. Check it out, uh, paulsearchwoodwork.com. He actually teaches a lot, so just um, if you're near a school, you can just kind of ask them if they uh, can get him on the schedule. It definitely is worthwhile to take a, a program with him. Uh, yeah, so other than that, we today went without power all day long, so this uh, recording, we're actually not doing this recording live for a change. Uh, just because the time is a little bit odd. Um, I was without power all day long, so we actually got our 200-amp service or whatever it was initially uh, upgraded to a 400-amp panel so that we can handle the sub-panel that's going out to the shop. Um, So our little tiny panel box just got upgraded to this monstrosity massive thing on the side of the house that's uh, just an amazing feat, what they had to do to get this thing connected. Um, just actually, cause obviously to get that upgraded power, you've got, r- got to run new lines. Uh, so the power company is here. The electrician is here. The city is here to do inspections. My contractor's here and the electrician is here. <laughs> it's like a, this five pronged approach to get this thing done. Wow. That's a lot of, that's a lot of butt crack. D- that is a lot of butt crack. <laughs> that's a lot of wires hanging out of the wall that I'm looking. I even posted a picture today. I'm just like, wow, that looks like spaghetti to me. I, I can't like, there's actually some level of organization here uh, to keep this thing going. So yeah, 400 amp service guys. It's, um, it's, it's a wow. lot. That's a lot of juice. That's when you should walk out and be like, listen, I have just one request. When my wife is using the blow dryer, I just want to make sure that the coffee maker is not going to turn off. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice, right? Um, you know, and the thing is, it's it's getting real at this point. Like, I'm out there. There's so many different people working on the on site right now. You've got the guys doing the electrical work. There's the guys who are still working on the trenching for the plumbing. The plumber is here, and he comes along, and he's just like, where do you want the hose bib? And I'm like, 
I don't even, I haven't even thought about that. I don't know. And I know I'm going to pick some place that like uh, six months from now, I'm going to be like, you idiot. Why didn't you just say to put it here instead of there? Um, but you, you know, that's how this all is. You're making these major decisions that I guess a smarter person might have thought of well ahead of time. Um, but I'm just not that smart or I'm just too busy. Uh, you know, cause I'm just like, I don't know, I guess that's a good, is, does that look good to you? <laughs> He's like, I don't know, dude, it's your, it's your shop. What do you want? Um, so, so I, I just get nervous about making some of those calls, but Oh, you know, I, I can't screw up that bad. It's, you know, it's just basically a big building with, uh, some electricity and plumbing in it. So. Maybe you could ask a question like, you know, if I was an organized man and knew exactly where I wanted everything, where would that person recommend to put this? <laughs> where, would, where would you put this if this was your woodworking shop? You know? if, if money was not an option and you had to spend all the time in the world, where exactly would you put it? Yeah. Uh, but, I'm, a, you know, the other funny thing is if, if you're not careful with this type of thing, especially in a situation like, you know, the three of us where we have a blog where we talk about these things and we tend to get a lot of um, solicited and unsolicited advice, uh, you could find yourself going down these little rabbit holes and, you know, getting lost in the details. Um, and one of those things and this, you know, and I don't I, I don't mean to preface this and talk about Vic because Vic has been giving me some incredibly awesome advice. Uh, in terms of energy efficiency and air conditioning and all that stuff. So if you're ever putting a shop together, we, we've got a thread going in the forum right now where uh, Vic actually put up a thread about it. You know, what do you need to know about putting up a shop? Um, so he, he actually did it himself. And the guy's just a wealth of knowledge, especially if you're looking to make things as efficient as possible. Um, so so I'm in there with my, my foam can, like filling up gaps that they're missing. And, and like, I must, these guys must think I'm crazy out there, but uh, this is all great advice that I got from from Vic, like a good example at the corners, uh, just a flaw in the way that these buildings are put together. You almost always have a giant column uh, that's a big giant gap that eventually gets uh, covered with drywall, but you can't get insulation in there. You know, mm. so, so basically they're going to come back with the insulation and cover up all the you know spaces that they can reach. But there's this giant column of air. Uh, that that really has no insulation at every corner. Uh, and if you put an interior wall where it meets the outside wall, you'll get one there too. Um, that's something that really kind of does need to be filled. Uh, so that's a good place for that high expansion foam uh, to go in there and take that space up. So it's little things like that that probably make these guys think I'm crazy as I'm out there. <laughs> say, I'm sure they really appreciate you coming around behind them and like improving <laughs> yeah. on their work. You guys done yet? Because I'm going to do this right. Excuse me. <laughs> That's uh, when you got to walk through and like ask them, like, what, what, what joinery technique did you use on this? Did you, do you guys that... use a domino on this? Because you do realize they have a bigger domino now that does larger joints. So you may want to look into it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's it's a blast. It's it's a challenge. It's exciting. It's scary all at the same time. It's just uh, I just can't wait to get my tools in there and just start moving forward with some uh, some really awesome projects. So very cool. <laughs> then that comes another rabbit hole. of Where do I put this tool? Well, you know, and then I, I put that to like when I moved into the last, uh, the last iteration of my shop at the, the other garage, um, you get into that situation where I really need to move forward with projects. I need to start building. So am I going to take as much time as I really should be taking to organize things? And I think I'm just going to go a long time, you know, without actually having cabinets put in or, or maybe my finishing area isn't set up quite right. Or, uh, you know, things are going to have to be sacrificed for the sake of getting some projects going, uh, which is perfectly fine. That's the way it's going to have to be. But 
Um, I really, I've got a couple of things that I really, really am dying to, to build. And especially now having no shop, I'm just going nuts. Cause I'm like, Matt and I are doing the review show. So I'm watching DVDs left and right. <laughs> yes. And like, I'm, I, there's no shortage of inspiration now. I just have a shortage of, of places to act on that inspiration. <laughs> so well, you know, here's forward. an idea. Um, rather than you having to worry about where things are going to be laid out, let's have a contest. And the person that lays out the best floor plan and everything gets to come in and actually they make it happen. You hey. give them like you know, the whole entire time. You I like work it. on your projects while that person will have an opportunity to hang cabinets. They'll have an opportunity to lay out all the tools everywhere they go. And, you know, it's, it's an opportunity for them to be on the show while you're actually creating things. Mm. They could be in the background setting up your shop. Let's Yeah, let's expand that idea to specifically shop cabinets because I really, that's not a project I'm looking forward to. So if, <laughs> if you want to design a great shop cabinet and you don't mind making like 15 of them, um, let's talk. Yeah, I and then come in. I and think actually there's a lot up. of people out there that would really enjoy that. Actually, <laughs> yeah, it would just come to my shop, put them in there. We don't, you know, I'm not too picky about it. I don't mind, you know, I, I'm not too picky about the finish. Just as long as they're well built, that's fine. And you, you can go. finally give your stepdad a break from those cameos when it comes to heavy lifting. Yeah, that's true. He does need a break. <laughs> Poor guy. Every time something happens to be moved, oh, look, there's Mark's stepdad again. <laughs> yep, yep. You know, the funny thing is he's not going to be around there to, to do it anymore. He's, 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 although he is only five minutes away, I think I might just go pick him up and bring him over for that stuff. Uh, yeah, so enough about my garbage. Let's move on to the Around the Web segment. You guys, or at least Matt, I think, uh, did a pretty good job of populating this with some stuff. So uh, if you want to run through them, Matt, we will sit back and listen. Okay. Well, the first thing we have going on, I've seen this a few other places, and I know I posted something about this last night. Uh, Bob Ling of Popular Woodworking Magazine has a new compilation of his Craftsman Furniture Shop drawings. In fact, I believe this one is called The Great Book of Craftsman Shop uh, Craftsman Furniture Shop Drawings, and it's a compilation of his first, second, and fourth. Apparently, the third just wasn't good enough to get in there. Um, so you know, we have this, <laughs> you this know book. What? Forget that, that that now. happened. We'll, we'll, we'll ignore that one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, that was I just did that one because I needed a coffee. Yeah. Um anyway, so if you want to get a sneak peek of the table of contents, we'll have a link in there to so you can check out everything that's included in there. It looks like a pretty neat book, uh tons of drawings. I had a chance to take a sneak peek at a couple of things and it's insane uh how much detail. In fact, I have one of them. I don't know. You know, what? I think I have the third one. I've actually uh, I got a I was fortunate enough to wrestle a PDF of the entire thing from from Bob that I'm taking a look at. And it is awesome. Yeah, I, mean, I actually I have I have the PDF too, and it's insane. I showed yeah. Sam some pictures last night, and it was the stupidest thing I ever did because now my list got even longer. <laughs> Dude, this absolutely this delivers, and there's enough images in here that if you are looking to do that sort of uh, honeydew list, and and you maybe want the significant others in your life to, um, we should probably only have one of those in your life, but um, <laughs> <laughs> most people, uh, you know, if you want them to look at this, this kind of is a bit of a furniture catalog to be like, you know what, I want one of those one of those uh and there's just measured drawings everywhere and explanations this is this is definitely the real deal right definitely so uh, we'll check out the link like i said it'll take you to the uh, table of contents the next thing i have coming up is there's a big event the iwf which i think is the international wrestling federation oh, wait no international <laughs> oh, yeah. Woodworking. 
<laughs> yeah, the one thing that's neat about this, of course, it's like the AWFS in, in Vegas. There'll be a lot of you know big industry things, but they have their education schedule, which is something that I think a lot of people might not realize some of the great educational things that are going on there. One thing that caught my eye was the CMA certification courses that are being offered. It's like everything you need to get CMA certified, which is the Cabinet Makers Association, if I remember right. And it's they've. Basically, even if you're not going for the CMA certification, you can take some of the classes. And these are things like getting your business plan written, how to uh, market yourself, uh, all sorts of good things like that. Uh, they're even going to have like a section about financing and everything. And even if you're not looking forward to the business things, they also have a whole bunch of other really fantastic classes, including finishing and all that good stuff. So we'll have mm. links in there that will take you to the web uh, page that has all of the educational information for when the – classes are going to be occurring they are a bit pricey compared to what you might normally be used to uh but if you want to get something that's kind of geared more towards the professional or semi-professional uh definitely something to take a look at nice you know what i'm a little disappointed though i kind of thought this was going to be a certification for me to become a judge at the country music awards (laughs) (laughs) well there is that one if you do google it that you will find that so uh, (laughs) which which i am qualified for by the way because i was forced to listen to country music Music as a kid uh, growing up, so I think that's the Yeehaw seminar. So. <laughs> there you go. All right, moving on. <laughs> All right, and then what? What more that we have on here? Uh, this just came in this afternoon. I saw this, I couldn't resist it. Uh, speaking of Roy Underhill, since Shannon, you're heading there. Lee Nielsen's Facebook page just put up a custom-made one-off saw that they have for Roy. Who knows? Maybe it'll be big enough though. We'll start marking it. It's a single-stroke dovetail saw. And they said, quote, our sawmaker Patrick faced the formidable task of hand sharpening 450 saw teeth. It's 30 inches long, 15 PPI, uh, rip style cut, of course, because it's a dovetail one. And if you want to check out the link, uh, definitely head over there and see this thing. It, it looks like one of those <laughs> ridiculous April Fool's jokes that like Lee Valley would pull off. <laughs> So it's it's totally worth checking this thing. And maybe, Shannon, while you're down there, maybe we'll have it down there by then. Or maybe you could head up to Maine, offer to pick it up and bring it down with you. That totally needed to be, like, held off till April. I mean, we need that. <laughs> that is, it's it's a little phallic, I have to admit, <laughs> in Slightly, a way, yes. right? I mean, it, there is something there with that. But that is hilarious looking. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. All right. So, and and that's pretty much it for around the web, at least that I have, unless you guys decide you need to throw something else in there. Um, you know what? I did mean to mention when you, you talked about IWF, uh, Hendrik Varyu emailed me to ask if I was going, uh, which I am not, but he is. So if you happen to know of Hendrik, um, he's an incredible, uh, just amazing resource for woodworking information and education, has a bunch of great DVDs. He'll be there. So if you see him on, on the show floor, definitely say hi and you can check out his website at passionforwood.com right that's uh i'm just going off of memory there um so yeah hendrick is a a really good guy he's been on matt's show a number of times we reviewed some of his content uh on the review show um so yeah if you see him there say hello Um, and in in reference to my other my earlier question about who would be that accurate hendrick would be that hendrick would be (laughs) yes he is a exacting woodworker with some very high standards which is uh, don't forget to spin your mechanical pencil because that lid lead will start (laughs) to wear down a little bit Um, (laughs) and for those of you who aren't familiar when you see hendrick he looks like the canadian version of me but he's just a little bit thinner a little bit taller not much but looks like me so he's a fellow hungarian as well there you go (laughs) Um, yeah i don't know if he's half italian like me but i know he's definitely hungarian 
Hey, you know, speaking of Hungarian, there was one more that uh, I, I didn't put this up, but I probably should go back in and find it. I saw a, a Hungarian woodworker who made a working motorcycle out of scrap wood and cow horns. I should try and find that link. We should throw that in there. So. Only, only a Hungarian could do that. Exactly. Okay. Um, so, you know, normally this is where we might do a little uh, call-in time if I'm on the right Skype account. Uh, you know, but since we're not doing this show live, we're not going to do that. Um, <laughs> Somebody call in. Why won't anybody call? I don't understand. <laughs> this just isn't working for us. Um, you know what? But here's the thing. We, we did want to talk about... Uh, a recent event called Fine Woodworking Live. We talked about it a few months ago when they first announced it, and this is a pretty cool event. It seems like a great opportunity for learning, so we know some of you must have gone, and we unfortunately didn't put the word out early enough that we wanted feedback on this event because unfortunately uh, the three of us uh, just weren't able to make it work we couldn't go uh, so we we really would like to hear from folks who went now we do know that rob Boas offered to give us uh, his opinion we were going to have him call in today but we had to do because of my ridiculous schedule we had to do the show early so we'll have rob's feedback hopefully for the next show and i know diami as well um diami plotki from um, the modern woodworkers association he also attended and has a few things to say about that so we'll We'll play that on the next show. But what we really want is we'd love to get someone who maybe isn't even involved in podcasting or social media for that matter. Uh, we would love to hear your feedback on what you thought of the show, the educational seminars. And if you did go to other shows like Woodworking America or possibly the um, uh, the traveling woodworking shows, they have educational seminars there. Uh, how does it compare? What did you think of it? And um, we just are looking for any kind of feedback on this stuff. Right. Absolutely. I would I would love to hear how some of these classes went. I mean, I listened to the uh, most recent podcast from uh, Fine Woodworking and I kept hearing about the Michael Fortune uh, steam bending one. And I really want to know a lot about that one because I heard something yeah. about it. It was like a f- uh, four by four bent at 90 degrees. Yes, that was the one. I had to keep rewinding it because I thought they misspoke. And I'm like, that's, that's not right. That's crazy. That's absolutely nuts. That's not a real pony. So. <laughs> Good. so if you if you have some feedback for us please uh give us a call we'll talk online at skype and what is that number 623-242-5180 leave us a voicemail or you could just write us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com and uh we'll spend some time on that uh next week the thing is we we wanted to talk about it more but it really doesn't make sense for three people who didn't even go <laughs> to talk about it uh that wouldn't really... i really liked it i thought it was an it, awesome event it looked it looked great from from afar i can tell that's you that right much. the pictures you know, i I'll, saw <laughs> i don't know why i didn't make it I'll, I'll be honest i'm really bitter about that show because i didn't go because i was supposed to be in maine um on vacation and yeah. that's why i couldn't go and uh Rather, a, a massive thunderstorm and lack of drainage around our 60-year-old house caused me to outlay basically all of my vacation money in order to get that fixed. So I ended up not going to Maine, nor did I go to Fine Woodworking Live. So I just sat at home and sulked. That's a double bummer. Yeah. Wow. bad. Okay, so if you have that feedback, definitely let us know. We really want to want to hear from you. Uh, emails. This is uh, this is where the stuff gets good. This is where you guys ask us questions and we answer as best we can. Sometimes not at all because we suck, but we'll do our best. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it too. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So a lot of these, um, I think Matt, you might be the only person who actually read them ahead of time. So I know you you did your research and your homework, right? Well, I wouldn't go that far. I didn't get much further than the uh, around the web. I said, that's enough. They just copy and pasted them in there. So let's exactly. do this. Let's just dive right in and make fools of ourselves. All right. Well, here, I'll start off Too the late. first one. Yeah, there you go. Okay, let's do that. Hey, guys, first off, awesome show. 
I am new to woodworking and my future wife has finally given me permission to build a couple of simple tables for our upcoming wedding. Yep, last time she'll do that. Uh, however, <laughs> she would like them to look old and antique. Uh, though minor research, through minor research, I have seen people using a solution of vinegar and steel wool to distress wood. I am pretty sure I can make aggression out, uh, or I can take aggression out on the wood to make it look old, but I am lost when it comes to finishing. How do I make these tables look like they were 100 years ago? Thanks, Seth. Uh, so, uh, oh, and look, he was, uh, he wanted to give us a PS. He was looking forward to our podcast after a return from the dentist. Um, anything on laughing gas will be a lot better. Always, especially concerned. this show on drugs is always better. <laughs> so what do you guys think? Making furniture <sighs> look old when it's new. Uh, any suggestions? I'll, I'll give the advice that my high school track coach gave me. Rub some dirt on it. <laughs> there you go. That'll work. All I got. Uh, I like his uh, his idea with the you know the the vinegar steel wool solution um, that gives kind of a chemical reaction depending on the wood species you're using. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know sometimes like um, you know cherry and uh, there's probably a couple other words woods that react to like sodium hydroxide solution. So if you just get a little bit of uh, a drain cleaner, put that in water and uh, douse that on the surface a little bit, um, you can wind up getting a little bit of aging. Just don't get it in your eyeballs. Uh, you know, there, there, there's a couple different things that you can do that way that are chemical reactions that will age the wood. What is the stuff that David Marks always used? Potassium oh. dichromate or something like that? Yep, yep. I mean, there's, those things are pretty nasty chemicals, you know, so you got to be careful with that stuff. Um, sometimes just sun alone can do a little bit of aging, but these things are, you know, that's fairly slow. Uh, there was one, and I've had a, the hardest time. It used to be in every woodworking catalog that I've ever I ever looked at, and this is about eight years ago, maybe seven years ago, um, and I can no longer find the stuff. It was just sort of a an A and B mixture that you would put together that would immediately uh, gray wood and make it look like it had been sitting outside for ages, and I even had some. I used it on a couple things just for fun, huh. just to see what it would do, and I can never find the stuff anymore. So if anybody knows what I'm talking about and can find... Um, a manufacturer that still makes this stuff, let us know because this stuff was like a, a silver bullet for aged aged wood and it wouldn't damage the wood in any way. Um, but you just mix these two clear solutions together, wipe it on the surface or brush it on and it would give you this aged gray look like in seconds. So it's like patina stuff. in a can basically? Pretty much, yeah, yeah. So unfortunately I'm making a recommendation without actually giving him the, the link or something <laughs> that he can act on but hopefully someone else will be able to to, to give us that suggestion. What, what about, I, and I've never done this, maybe you have Mark working and refinishing. What about glazes? Well, glazes are great if you're doing, if you're really looking to do some sort of color effect, because what typically aged furniture, it has some kind of a stain or some kind of a color and that stain gets worn over time. Um, right. So you can just use something like a glaze, uh, which is great. If you already put some finish on the surface, let's say you give it a little bit of a shellac or something like that, um, and maybe you already did stain it just to give it a base color, you could take the glaze and wipe it on the surface. And, and again, typically you do this on a surface that's been finished because you're not really necessarily looking to dye the wood. What you want to do is give a, a bit of a light hue over the wood. So you sort of liberally coat the surface and then you wipe it back. So you're leaving a little bit of the glaze on the, the main flat parts. But what you're really doing is packing the glaze into the, the nooks and crannies. Right. Uh, and that and especially really if he's, it. as he said, took some aggression out on the wood, you know, dented it up or beat it up or yep, yep. any of those like reveals. Like if you've got an eighth inch reveal between the apron and the leg or something like that, you know, it's going to gather in there and that yep. 
That goes back to my original suggestion, rub some dirt in it, because yeah. that's really what we're talking well, about. Well, that's exactly what it is, yeah. And if you've got like a, a, the, the raised panels are great. So you'll see kitchens, new, brand new kitchens that are done using this technique. And all they do is put that, you can even, you know, loosen the, the glaze up with, um, you know, some thinner uh, and just spray it on the surface and then just wipe a little bit back. Uh, and as you wipe it back, you just naturally leave it in the corners and, and cracks and everything. Uh, once that's dry, then you hit it with your top coat and suddenly it does have that sort of aged look to it. So yeah, that, that I think that's a really good suggestion. Yeah, that's a, I know we had a piece of furniture that I had built and Sam just absolutely went to town on it with uh, bike chains and everything. And then once <laughs> I applied just a, a simple, uh, really light uh, stain to it, it actually filled in those areas and it gave it that look almost of kind of like, yeah, like, like it was dirty or something. We have family and friends that I guess, well, they're not the brightest people in the world sometimes, uh, but they were like, oh my God, did you guys like pull this out of a barn or something? Okay, yeah. Yeah, we did that. Um, yeah, I sure. was just, I, I did just a quick uh, Google search and I put adding patina to wood. And one of them that keeps coming up is um, uh, ehow.com. And they've got a few things on here. One of them was, like you mentioned, like the, the soda and drain uh, cleaner. And so, you know, there, there's a couple of, of quick resources too. Oh, you know what? This might be a good call for like those, um, uh, the tea and coffee finishes uh, stains. Oh, yeah. You know, where you actually use coffee to stain the wood. That seems like one of those translucent sort of uh, things that would just dirty it up, like like Shannon was talking about. Right. Uh, where there's actually sort of a grit to it in a way that, that settles down into the, the pores and the fibers. So um, I think thinking outside the box on things like that could very well get, get you right where you need to be. Um, Absolutely. The, the only caution that I would say is if the wood that you use has a tendency to darken a lot over time. Yeah. I mean, all wood will darken over time. It's still going to darken. You know, if you put a dye or a stain or something over top of it and darken it, it's going to get darker because the base is going to, the, the, the base wood itself is going to darken naturally. So, right. you know, you have to be a little careful. You don't want to go all the way there. In other words, I think focusing on like the, the dirt in the, in the corners and the distressing may be the best solution, but I'd be real hesitant to like wipe on anything that's going to add a whole heck of a lot of color because yeah. then you, you might be you know screwed 10 years from now. Yeah, definitely got to think about how it's going to age over time. All right. So Sweet. next question. What do we got? All right. Um, Where are we here? I'm going to read this one. Can I read it? No, go you for go it. for it. Please. Can I? Okay. Yeah, I want to hear you it. say Nana. Nana? My nan? Yeah. My Nana? That's awesome. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's Okay. Uh, having flashbacks thinking of my Italian grandma that, that, that uh, my, my brother who was, or my stepbrother was um, closer to her than I was. And they, they would call her Nana. And it just was such an unnatural thing. I just, the grandma is what these people are to me, but you should probably read this email so people know what we're talking about. Yeah, maybe I should, right? <laughs> let's just, let's just have a conversation. You know, let's just, what, how's your family doing, Shannon? It's um, fabulous. They're okay. Great. All right. So Greg DeMarzio says, I'm building a tea box for my Nana and I've been trying to cut dovetails and some scraps off maple. I'm using a crown gents saw, but no matter how careful I am, I can't seem to get the cut without gaps, mostly further down in the cut. Is it me pushing down too hard and causing the blade to move, preventing a nice plum cut? Or is it the gents saw blade simply too flexible? In a way, I'm hoping it is so that I have an excuse to buy a Veritas dovetail saw. Ha ha, Greg DiMarzio. Um, I'm going to first say that any excuse to buy a new tool is a good one. So so always blame Absolutely. the tool first. Um, you know what? I will defer to, to my more hand tool inclined uh, co-hosts here. What do you guys think? Go ahead, Shannon. You can take this one. Uh, well, 
personally, I can't stand those gent saw handles. The if somebody doesn't if anybody doesn't know a gent saw handle is not that pistol grip, it's the round handle. They are uncomfortable. Um oh, there are God, a lot yes. of people and especially a lot of like really old old sounds bad, experienced woodworkers, guys <laughs> have been seasoned. doing it for a long seasoned. time that just swear by those things. But to me, there's no there's nothing to prevent the saw from kind of rotating in your hand. Yeah, there's no directionality it. to it. So what you do is you end up gripping it harder so that it doesn't slip. Well, the first rule in sawing is don't grip the saw too hard. The minute you grip it too hard, you prevent the saw. You kind of force the saw into whatever your body mechanics are telling it to do. And, you know, unless you're a machine and can duplicate the exact same wrist, shoulder, elbow, knee, you know, hyoid bone angle, um, the hyoid bone is the bone that supports the vocal cords for all you voice majors out there. Uh, thank you. If you thank you, if Dr. You Shannon. <laughs> can't replicate that every single time you make a saw cut, you're going to force that saw into different angles. And a lot of people who, um, I think people struggle more with cutting the angle of the tails than they do with cutting the angle of the pins. Because right. you know when you cut the angle of the pins, the saw is plumb. It's straight up and down. You're just changing that miter angle, the side to side angle. When you cut the tails, you're having to have to drop the saw off of plumb. And that's where people have trouble. And if you're really gripping that saw, there is a tendency that he might be flexing it. I don't know what the flexibility of those blades is like. I wouldn't think they'd be that much more flexible. Mine is really rigid. I've got a crown gents saw. I don't know if it's the same model that he has, but that blade's fairly thick. Uh, There's a a lot of set and it's a, a pretty rigid blade. Well, that's the other thing. If there's a heck of a lot of set, even the slightest little deviation in the angle you're sawing is going to take it off in another direction because you're already generating a pretty wide curve. Yeah. yeah. So I, I hate to to new be the tool, guy to say it's tool, your tool, not tool. you, <laughs> but it's your tool. Go give into the excuse and go buy another dovetail saw. We need some sort of fanfare sound effect for every time we actually the recommendation is to get something new. To, to spend Ta-da! more money. You know? I think they're probably already like cheering as it is. They're probably <laughs> marking this portion of the show and giving it to their significant other and saying, See? they said I have to do it. <laughs> they said, they said. All right, cool. You um, know, just, just so that we don't, because I can see the comments flooding in. Hey, get another saw. It's not the saw. It's the craftsman, blah, blah, blah. Try to take a cut and really focus on keeping a nice light grip. I don't remember who said it first, but somewhere I heard this was probably Christopher Schwartz. Imagine you're holding like a baby bird in your hand. You know, if you grip it too hard, you're going to crush it. But if you grip it too loosely, the bird's going to fly away. You know? Um, Yeah, I think I know where you heard this from. It's from 38 Special. It's uh, hold on loosely. (laughs) Hold on loosely. Nice. But, you know, give it give it a shot. Don't 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 do you know white knuckle the saw. Don't do that. You might find that it'll 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 come out a little bit better. Ignore him. Just buy a new saw, Greg. And and even then, if you are cutting your tails first, (laughs) angle your tailboard slightly in your vice so that you're cutting vertically and not at an angle. In other words, kink like kink the uh, the board to the right or whatever. So now that one in six or one in eight or whatever angle you chose is an actual vertical cut. Yeah. So now you're cutting straight down. It's going to be easier to cut straight down because the weight in the saw is over the back 
and it's going to want to track Plum. So I'd say try those things. If your wife's looking over your shoulder telling you, you can't buy a new saw, try those things first. And then you can say, see, honey, it didn't work. Now I need to buy a new saw. Or just or, get a new wife. Or <laughs> Wow. <laughs> One or the other. You got to do what you – not where I thought we were going. Yep. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. marriage advice that we recommend to most people, but I do know a few friends that I have recommended that too. <laughs> uh, I will <laughs> say that Nicole is not home right now. So. Oh, that, that explains everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I know she doesn't listen to the podcast, so I'm safe. Well, you know, one thing. One thing I did. So I, I mentioned Cole's going to be single soon. You oh. <laughs> said that out loud, didn't I? No, she doesn't restrict my tool purchases, so she's safe. She's safe. Uh, when, this, when this question first came in, I'm going to try and get us back on topic here, which is probably going <laughs> to fail miserably. Uh, this is that hold on loosely theory. Uh, but one thing I, I mentioned to Greg also is, you know, some people might argue that, well, look, Japanese style saws have the, a handle that would be something similar to it. But you also have to look at the blade of the Japanese saw, too. It's much thinner. Uh, and also, I, I think a lot has to do with that push versus pull, where with a Japanese saw, you're pulling it and it just seems to like just yeah. fall right into place. Well, they're usually um, more of an oval shape too in the handle right which does give you at least a little bit of vertical yeah, directionality yep. um, i yeah. find it, it is i mean it, just that slight oval shape is actually enough to make that difference to tell your your hand in a sort of mechanical motion you're trying to train yourself with what's vertical and what's not so right, right. well and, my, my, you know pulling a saw will automatically straighten out the blade i mean there is some real brilliance to a japanese saw in that respect when yeah, you pull yeah. it you know any crookedness in the blade you don't have to have a really rigid blade that's why japanese saw blades are so narrow because they don't need it to be yeah. so there's something to that and less curve and less of an opportunity to, to screw it up by tweaking the angle right there you go well, you know and, and on top of it though with that gents style saw that that handle because it's so round my first inclination is always just my wrist just wants to like almost like snap it sideways kind of a thing so yeah i just hate those saws all right, all right gents let's move on to the next one Dun, dun. Right. Should it, should uh -huh. I read the the uh -huh. second Greg DiMarzio question? Yeah. Were we skipping we... his? Did you say we were going to skip that? Yeah, should we, we save we... more Greg for next episode? Yeah, well, you can never have enough Greg. So there we uh, go. Uh, Let's move on to one of the Kevins. <laughs> Kevin. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> one of the Kevins. All right. I'll run with this one. I am in the process of building a baby doll cradle out of plywood scraps that I had left over. I'm trying to use templates and a flush trim bit on the router table to get consistent curves in the front, back, and sides. First attempts have just been awful. I expected the usual plywood tear-out, but I'm finding that once I remove the template from the plywood, the veneer is actually pulling off completely about two to three inches from the edge in a few spots. Add to that the process of removing double-sided mounting tape from already peeling veneer, and I'm sure you get the picture. The bit is relatively new and sharp. The plywood is birch veneer from a hardwood dealer with thicker veneer and much nicer plies than the home center stuff. Do you guys have any thoughts on what I might do to prevent or at least minimize this before I attempt the other pieces? The router is set to the highest speed. Should I slow it down? What about template fastening methods? Anything that might be easier to remove than double-sided mounting tape? Hmm. Mounting tape? There's a question mark there. Love and kisses, Kevin. Oh, thanks, Kevin. We always love to be kissed by my men. Um, Please shave next time. <laughs> yes, it hurts. So since Mark read a hand tool question and deferred to me, I'm going to defer to Mark because router bit? Huh? hey yo! <laughs> all right. Um, well, you know what? The thing is we don't really know uh, what quality level the plywood is. He says it's, right. it's not the home store stuff, but, you know, hardwood dealers also sell crappy plywood. It could also still be Chinese. So. Yeah, yeah. So it's really tough to say. Generally speaking, I mean, the fact 
that he's it sounds like he's actually getting more of a delamination um like granted it's caused by this routing process that's like agitating the the veneer layer um but if he's getting delamination as he's pulling those things off yeah that double stick tape is pretty good stuff but if you're pulling that top layer of veneer off that doesn't sound like it's a very good bond to me this actually may be a plywood quality issue um yep. so i mean if you're paying 20 30 40 bucks for that sheet uh, you may want to look into the fifty, sixty, seventy dollar range uh, to get the quality that you're after. Um, now that said, you know sometimes it's nice to be able to use cheaper plywood. Uh, keep in mind though, if it pulls off with double stick tape, that may bode poorly for the future of that piece of plywood. As time goes on, um, you may wind up getting de- delamination just naturally from um, the the adhesive aging over time. Um, so if you do want to incorporate this this plywood, um, despite its its uh, its flaws. Um, there are other ways to attach, um, you know, templates to a workpiece. And one thing I would suggest, and especially if it's something that you're going to be cutting a lot of, is make yourself a little plywood carriage jig, uh, just using scrap pieces of ply. Um, you know those little uh, toggle hold down dealy whackers? Oh yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Those are fantastic, and you could reuse them from you know one jig to the next. Uh, basically, just build a little carriage that holds. It doesn't really have to be anything special. It's just two pieces of plywood, you know, stacked on top of one another. And you could put your little MDF uh, template on there and then put your workpiece on top of it and clamp the crap out of it using those little toggle clamps that that clamp down from above. And this will give you a nice little assembly that you could run over the router table very easily. Uh, and it's it, the great thing about it is it's so much more stable. You don't really have to use push blocks. You can use your hands because you're going to make this thing fairly substantial in size. Stabilizes the whole thing. And then when you're done, you just uh, pop up the clamps, get your next workpiece, drop it in place, uh, and clamp that sucker down and go again. So I'm, uh, if you're if you don't mind taking the time to make these things, having these little template carriages, uh, I, I usually call them. Those are fantastic, um, and that's a great way to not have to deal with um, with that tape. So no, I don't think it's a router bit issue necessarily. Maybe a, a sharper bit is always a great idea, but uh, if it's a new bit, that shouldn't be a problem as long as the speed is appropriate for the size bit you're using. Don't think that's a problem either. Um, so I really think that it's better plywood and then also consider using the carriage. Yeah, what about, uh, this is shot out of left field, I honestly don't know. What about the template material? If you use something, I mean, I don't know. I'm assuming he's not using a piece of cardboard here. <laughs> right. But if it's like one-eighth inch masonite, wouldn't that have a tendency to want to flex more and possibly like separate away? I, I don't know. I'm- yeah, if, if he's, well, the thing is when you put even just that little tape layer between your template and uh, the workpiece creates a slight gap. So you don't right. actually get that nice tight, uh, you know, material against the next material contact that prevents. You don't that mortise out. in your double stick tape. <laughs> you should. Could you imagine? All right, we're going to create our Henrik tape mortises. If he mortises in his double stick tape. I bet you he would. Uh, yeah, so so you don't have that uh, that as clean of a cut. So that's another thing to to be in favor of the carriage. You're just putting your template right on the workpiece. There's no gaps at all, so you will get a finer edge there with the same router bit. So that's that's a, a great point. Um, but yes, if if he's using a flimsy uh, template stock, that could very well exacerbate the problem when he's using tape. Yes, my first I thought about to a power tool question. <laughs> Turn in your hand tool uh, card, please. <laughs> You're <laughs> you out of no here. no longer the, the teacher at You're the, the club. school. You will have to take up knitting. Roy, Roy oh, just sent an email that he's not uh, he's not welcome at his class next week. I'm going to turn on my bandsaw right now and salute. Just just let it <laughs> run in the background. 
your TA will be taking over the hand tool school from this point out. There you go. Um, one of the th- thoughts I had was, I- I'm wondering how old this plywood is. He said that he's making it out of plywood scraps. And I yeah. know that, you know, really nice plywood supposedly shouldn't have any issues. But again, we don't know the, the climate that he's in and stuff. Because I've had plywood that's been sitting around for a long time. Worked fantastic. And kind of like you mentioned, like, you know, somewhere down the road, it's going to delaminate if it's not really good adhesive. And, you know, there's a part of me that's thinking you may have bought it from a really nice place. But also, like you mentioned, you know, you can still get really crappy plywood from a high, uh, nice hardwood place also because I had yeah. that exact thing happen with a set of bookshelves that I built. Um, so that's that's one of my thoughts is either it was definitely the material that he ended up purchasing. It wasn't as nice as it, as it could have been, which isn't necessarily his fault. But um, and, and the other thing is the idea that maybe it's just really old. Maybe it's been really affected by the climate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. One thing I'll say about plywood, I can actually speak with I know a little bit more about this, actually. Oh, yeah? Why? Do you work at a lumberyard? I do. I had no idea. And we sell plywood. Um, Plywood is truly, truly a get-what-you-pay-for thing. There there isn't really any – if you ever get a deal on plywood, it's because it's lesser material. (laughs) There is so much – the grading system for plywood is so much more convoluted and complex than hardwoods or softwoods. It's ridiculous. There's so many grades and subgrades and faces, face grades, core grades, types of core. So, and every every little kind of step up the ladder in quality costs more. Yeah. Um, really, really high end. Everything's good. Core's good. Veneer is good and thick and and quarter sawn. All that stuff takes more time and is more expensive to produce. So, um, and most of the time, if it's really kind of unusual veneer, it's you know, a very custom type built panel. It's very expensive. So if you have a good quality piece of plywood, go and ask the, you know, a a friend in the, not even in the, in the area, it doesn't even really vary from region to region. Ask someone else what they pay for plywood. And if you're $10 cheaper, your plywood is crapper, crappier Crappier, than the other guy. It, it, I mean, the prices vary from dealer to dealer less than a dollar, I'd say. Well, yes. you know, the other thing I was going to say from dealer to dealer is is he probably should shop around too if he's not happy with what he's getting there because there are number one, even the prices may not vary, but the supplier may vary and also what that particular place stocks may vary. So maybe there's a mid-range quality that's a little bit more affordable. Um, you know, maybe it's not A grade, uh, you know, on the faces, but you still may be able to get a better thing that you're able to, than you're able to get at the other place. Um, I know some places only stock, you know, maybe the, the two ends of the spectrum. You either have crap uh, or you have $100 a sheet plywood, and it's very difficult to convince them to order a couple of sheets for you or something <laughs> you know, right. in the middle range. So, so definitely look around. You may not necessarily get a big price improvement, but you may be able to find something that's more in the range that you're looking to spend because it's a different grade. Right. right. You know, th- my experience with uh, the, the hardwood dealer, like I said, th- this, I, what I went through, very reputable. I still go to them all the time. And when I ordered this crappy plywood that I ended up getting, it was this bad. I mean, literally, this ended up happening. I got home. The guy had unloaded the truck for me because Sam was home when he the, the, the guy delivered it. And when I walked in the, the garage, I opened up the doors and immediately here's this sheets of plywood. And right in the center, right down the entire length of the board or the, the plywood is missing. It's almost like one of those giant football shapes. <laughs> and that veneer is sitting 
over the top of it. And I'm like, what the hell happened? She goes, the guy literally took it off and goes, oh, he might want this and peeled that off the bed of the truck and then hung it over the top of the plywood sheets. Oh my God. That was my first indicator. Like, <laughs> oh my God. And then when I looked at the invoice, I got to dig up this invoice. It actually said something about uh, China plywood or China wood plywood <laughs> or something like yeah. that. And I'm like, this explains why it was so cheap. Yeah. And I just started hitting myself in the forehead. Like you idiot. How, how, why would you do this to yourself? <laughs> nice. <laughs> If 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 I may, um, sorry, I, there actually is uh, an article, a really great article, if I do say so myself, um, on my company website about plywood pricing and how the grade works and kind of the, the essential advice is if you find plywood you really like, make a note of the price because if you buy the plywood from a different dealer in that same kind of give or take $5, it's probably the same quality. So mm. I can drop a link to that if anybody's interested. Yeah, put put that in the notes and I'll, I'll make sure I put it in the write-up. We'll if, you, if you just Google plywood pricing and grades, it will be number one in Google. Oh. Yes, that's how I keep is my that, job. Is that intentional? <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> yes, maybe. Cool. All right. Well, I think that uh, pretty much does it for us. We actually have a couple more questions. We'll put those on for next week. And we have are way behind on reading our iTunes five-star reviews, but we will catch up on that next time for sure. Um, Which so, gives you an opportunity to get yours in. Exactly. Yeah, we've actually got like a dozen of them to read now. We're way behind. So, <laughs> so please go to iTunes and leave us those five-star reviews. We do appreciate it. And we will give you credit for it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so I think that's about it. Oh, crap. I wanted to tell you guys real quick. Let's not talk about this too long because I just want to tell you it so that okay. you can you can salivate. And and guess where I'm going on, on Saturday? You'll never the guess. The Thorson House? Ah, oh, you guessed. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to Famous Dave's. Uh, that's almost, oh, that's actually just barbecue as Barbecue Festival starts tomorrow here. Yeah. <laughs> what? I should uh, come out there too. Um, yeah, I'm actually going to the Thorson house to do some, uh, I've got an opportunity to get some footage from inside the actual house and Daryl Peart is meeting me there and we're going to do a couple different videos. I want to do a video that's more of a historical review and just kind of uh, educating people on the, the historical importance of the home and all that good stuff. And then we're doing a, a woodworkers tour. Uh, and basically Daryl's going to take me around and show me some stuff and things. Uh, so I'm bringing my camera and a bunch of memory cards and batteries and all that good stuff. It should be absolutely awesome. I can't even believe I've got this opportunity. So that's, that's coming up on Saturday. So wish me that luck. Is so cool. Yeah, wish me luck, guys, because... Uh, I'm just going to keep it really <laughs> short, you son of a... <laughs> you son of a... <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to Roy Underhill School. Yeah. yeah that's, Speaking um. of which, I will be broadcasting live on Tuesday. Oh, that's uh, right. Tuesday yeah. the... Uh, what is that, the 11th? Whatever that day is. No, that's not the 11th. That's like tomorrow or something. Next Tuesday, I'll be broadcasting live from the Woodwright School. I don't know a time yet, but I'll be plastering it all over Twitter and... And the Hand Tool School uh, website, handtoolschool.net slash live sessions. It'll That's the be 14th, there. by the way. So what's that? The 14th. It is the 14th. Yes. Okay. But, um, you know, it's it's just going to be Roy and his school, and we're just going to hang out a little bit. So it should be fun. Nice. That sounds like and, a uh, if, if anybody wants to see me, I will be live every day in the parking lot at my uh, work <laughs> crying into my yogurt at uh, 105 because it takes me five minutes to get from my office out to the car. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't wait to see that. So, yeah. I will definitely tune in for that. I will tune yeah. in for that. Absolutely. Yeah. So <sighs> just stop on by, knock on the window. <laughs> nice. Oh. All right. Well, Matt, you want to give them the contact info, and we will get the heck out of here. Yeah, that's right. If you're on Skype and you want to leave us a message, 
Find us where Wood Talk Online. You can also call us via your good old-fashioned phone at 623-242-5180. Don't forget to email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. And definitely leave us one of those five-star reviews over on iTunes because you know we're worth it. I love that line. That was great. I wasn't sure if it was going to go longer, but that, that's, that was awesome. Well, there was a period at the end of it, so I stopped. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. Well, thanks for uh, uh, conforming to my ridiculous schedule today. And, um, well, you know what? We should do another show. Maybe we should squeeze one in next week because I really want to uh, do this fine woodworking live stuff while it's topical. Absolutely. Sounds good to me. So you might be hearing Let from us sooner than later. So thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time. Bye, See about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.